This edition of my podcast is all about the IASB's conceptual framework for financial reporting. I want to tell you what it's all about. I want to tell you about the objective of preparing financial information. And in particular, I want to focus on useful information. My name is Tom Clendon, and I am an ACCA SBR online lecturer and podcaster. So let's identify, first of all, what this framework is. It's a base. It's a foundation. It's a set of principles. It's rather theoretical. And its role is not one of being the rule. The role is not one of telling us accountants exactly what to do. Rather, it's designed so that when the IASB, the International Accounting Standards Board, come to write an accounting standard, they can reflect on the foundation, they can reflect on the base, they can reflect on the principles, and they can build coherent and consistent accounting standards. So the framework is the loose set of ideas and principles which influence the development of international financial reporting standards. It it includes things like the definition of an asset, the definition of a liability, when to recognise assets, whether to recognise profits in the P&L or in other comprehensive income. And what I want you to bear in mind is that as an accounting student, sometimes we're faced with having to solve problems in the exam. And we may not remember exactly what the particular accounting standard says, and we can use the framework to perhaps work out an answer. And this is done in real life. You know, at the time of recording, there is no accounting standard on how to account for Bitcoin. There is no accounting standard on cryptocurrencies. So if as a practicing accountant or as a student in an exam, we're having to comment on how we account for cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, then maybe one way of approaching that answer is to go back to first principles, to go back to our base, to go back to our foundation, to go back to our framework and see what that says in a logical way. If the framework seems to conflict with an accounting standard, If there seems to be a clash between what the rules say, the accounting standard says, and what the framework says, then the accounting standard prevails. We must follow the accounting standard. Albeit, perhaps, it provides us with a criticism or a critique of the accounting standard because it's inconsistent with the framework. I need to give you an example, and yet at the same time, I don't want to get too complicated. But under ISA 12, many commentators observe that the definition of a deferred tax liability and the circumstances that we create a deferred tax liability appear to be inconsistent with the definition and the approach taken by the conceptual framework in terms of recognising a liability. Okay, so we now know what the framework is. It's not rules, it's a set of principles, it's theory, 
That's what the framework is there for. And the framework tells us the objective of why we prepare financial statements. So very basic, very simple. And it says that we prepare financial statements, financial information, so that it's going to be useful to the users when they come to make decisions. So the main users of the accounts are identified as the providers of capital, the shareholders, the lenders. And they've got to make decisions about whether to buy or sell their shares, whether to lend money to the company or whether to foreclose, and how they might vote at AGMs, how they might vote whether to, to reappoint the directors. So we're looking at providing the providers of capital with financial information that's going to be useful to them. Now, what's important is that you understand the word useful is taken to mean two things in terms of the framework, relevant and faithful. Information is only useful if it's relevant to the decision, if it's capable of making a difference, in other words, and it's faithful, it's truthful, it's actually representing in a, in, 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 in a, in a fair way the information. Now, let me come back to relevant again. Information is relevant if it's capable of making a difference. In other words, if it's predictive or if it's confirmatory in its nature. So what do I mean by predictive? What, can I, let's think about some examples of relevant information. If you've got an item of plant machinery that you're committed to selling that is in a suitable condition for sale, that you, you think is highly probable that is going to be sold within the next 12 months, that perhaps shouldn't be presented as a non-current asset. That perhaps might meet the definition of being held for sale. And if it does, then under IFRS 5, that asset that is held for sale, even though it's PPE, property, plant and equipment, would be represented as a current asset because you're only going to recover from it by selling it. And so that presentation of a current asset of an item of PPE that is held for sale arguably is being predictive. This time next year, it won't be there. And so you can see how wanting to present useful information that is relevant has influenced the creation of IFRS 5. Another example of relevant information is fair values. Fair values are market values, exit values. So arguably, whenever we're measuring an asset at fair value, we're including it in the accounts at a prediction, at a forward-looking number what we would get if we would sell the asset. Diluted earnings per share, I say 33, is again a predictive number. What if the options were issued? What if the extra shares were issued? What would be the effect on earnings per share? Users want information about the future. And if we can present and measure and report in a way that is relevant to them, that's going to be that's going to be more useful for them. 
But for information to be useful, it needs to be both relevant and faithful. And faithful information really does represent the substance, the truth of events and transactions. So the information needs to be complete. If we miss information out, if we're incomplete, it's not useful. We need to be neutral. There's a little bit of prudence in there, but we need to be neutral and we need to be free from error. So an example of faithful representation in practice is leases. Under IFRS 16, even though a lessee hasn't got legal title to the asset, even though a lessee doesn't own the asset, it has a right to use it. It's under the control of the business. The business will benefit from the asset. And therefore, we include an asset on the balance sheet. That's, a, that's being a faithful representation. There's lots of other examples. As we begin to study financial instruments, sometimes we might issue things which look as if they're shares, but if there's an obligation to pay a dividend or an obligation to uh, redeem those shares, then actually the truth is they're debt and we should faithfully represent the shares as debt. So I'm interested in the truth. I'm interested as an accountant in being true and fair, providing useful information. And sometimes that conflicts with a lawyer or a legalistic definition. I always take the high road. I always take the truth. So that's my little 10 minutes. That's my little story about what the framework is and about useful information. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Tom Clendon. I'm an ACCA SBR online lecturer. And if I can help you pass SBR, please simply reach out to me through the various social media channels. Thank you very much for listening.